0: Hello and welcome to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten, and I'm here with Parks Miller and today uh, we have a suggested dump. It was suggested to us by a listener Tommy B. Thank you Tommy. And uh, this is proof that we do listen to you when you when you send these uh, suggestions in. Today we're talking about LiveStrong. More specifically, really Lance Armstrong, but it's mm-hmm. under the umbrella of of LiveStrong because, like, LiveStrong yeah. actually is like fairly positive. Like, there wasn't too much like bad shit with the actual like foundation that, that was LiveStrong, <laughs> but it's all based around this total you know lying piece of shit uh, Lance Armstrong. Yeah. So- I know,
1: and I I like LiveStrong as the dump because the the bracelet obviously the yellow bracelet which we'll get into that to me is the cultural moment yeah since w- since we try to do dumps i mean we're going to talk a lot about lance armstrong but you know we're not like say like a biograph biographical podcast of like oh just this guy and we will talk about his athletic exploits but yeah. the bracelet it's is kind of what dump. makes the bracelet is what makes it a dump exactly because that's it there was a moment where everyone had one of those fucking things on
0: a- yes you know? a- and like. And there are so many. Well, let's get into it. So why is Livestrong a dump? Well, Livestrong is a dump because it was a symbol of American perseverance and the advertising campaign around it was meant to motivate all people to overcome whatever obstacles may come their way. The iconic yellow bracelets sparked a massive charity movement that saw the creation of thousands of similar bracelets, some of which, well most of which, were scams. But perhaps the biggest scam of the Livestrong story is the one pulled by its creator, the accomplished cyclist Lance Armstrong, who at the peak of his success became a pariah after the allegations of his steroid use were proven. Uh, th- there's a lot of stuff I don't understand about this uh, episode because I'm like cycling is confusing. Sports are confusing to me. I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not that kind of guy. And also, so there's like a million steroids in the world. <laughs> and like right. I, don't, I, I don't really understand what, what they most do, but I have a slight grasp on it. And, and we'll get yeah. into all that. But Livestrong mm-hmm. bracelets, like you said, like everyone had them. But then like, it was like the perfect thing to wear with a pair of Heelys. Like when you're like in like seventh grade, <laughs> yeah. you'd wear like fucking 15 of those things, all different colors. Like one's for breast cancer, one's for like autism, one's for Fucking live strong, like all different colors, then you wear your Heelys and you're like hot shit. Uh, no one wears these right. a- an- anymore, they don't even right. make them anymore.
1: But I and I feel like that's you know, that's kind of sh- like showing our age of like maybe when the live strong foundation this whole first going shows off. our age.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, of course, of course. Um, but that being said, like the live strong bracelet, also, like if say if you were like a 20 year old in like the early 2000s. I you know, I could see it very much as being this like sort of statement, you know, to show your compassion. Yeah. In this kind of It's like very the original virtue signal <laughs> subtle way. Yeah. You're like you have this little bracelet and you wear it and um I could I could see like something I, I know there's something like that now but I'm totally blanking on it. But, you know...
0: Well, it's I, like sharing posts on Instagram, like, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, share this post to be in solidarity with whatever fucking yeah. cause it is. And then you do that just to, like, be part of the herd and, like, to show that, like, like you don't want to be left... You don't want to be the only person that didn't support whatever cause it was. And that's what Livestrong right. was. And, but it was something that you actually wore, like, literally on your sleeve.
1: Yeah, you wore it. Yeah, for sure. And also, I mean, I guess, to not sound too cynical, yeah. it is <laughs> just a bracelet, so it's not that it's not like you're getting a tattoo or, you know.
0: Yeah, you can take it off.
1: Very smi- and thank God. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> as quickly
1: as it, as kind of, I mean, yeah, I guess as easily as it is a thing, it can be not a thing.
0: Yes. At the same and, time. and also the funny thing about it is like, it was such a thing and, and Livestrong bracelets were made by Nike and like, but then there was knockoffs and like people, I, I think it, people lost touch with the fact that like when you bought a Livestrong bracelet, you were donating money to a charity. So like if you bought like a bootleg one, just like be part of the thing, like you weren't doing anything. Like you're literally just wearing this piece of garbage uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on your wrist because that's what it is, garbage. So let's get into it. The man behind <laughs> the movement, Lance Edward Gunderson was born September 18th, 1971 in Richardson, Texas. His parents divorced at the age of two, and shortly after, his mother married Terry Keith Armstrong, transforming the young Gunderson into an Armstrong. Lance was interested in competitive athletics from a young age and began his professional racing career at the age of 12. Armstrong began as a swimmer and finished 4th in the Texas State 1500 meter freestyle competition but after seeing a flyer for a youth triathlon race he decided that swimming was not enough and he wanted to expand his repertoire so one year after that Texas State swimming competition he placed 1st in the Iron Kids triathlon <laughs> I love Iron Kids like it's like <laughs> do, you, do you remember that kid like from the 90s like or, or even early 2000s who was on like the Guinness World Records show he was like the really ripped buff kid Kid.
1: The ripped buff kid. Dude,
2: he was like mad ripped.
1: Wait, let me look. He was I like, feel like no, no. I do remember. Don't type in kid. buff
0: kid, dude. Every time we do this, I feel like I fuck up your search history. <laughs> ripped like, buff, buff kid. kids. No, no. Gary Glitter's no, no, no. computer.
1: I just I, I typed in ripped kid and he showed up. I mean, ripped is also like <laughs> slang. Like that's not even like an actual real word for anything. But I totally remember this kid, yeah. Little Hercules.
0: Yeah, little Hercules. Little Dude, his Hercules. life is fucked. And his body. I mean, Jesus. You can't like make a 12 year old get fucking buff. It's like, uh, you know, you might as well give him like cigarettes and, and coffee from when he's like a toddler. But uh, yeah, Iron Kids. That's what I think of. I think of that kid that, that you're looking at. Yeah. So when he was uh-huh. 16 years old, he became a professional triathlete and was ranking higher than the top five pros in the sport. He went on to win the National Triathlon Spring Course Championship in 1989 and 1990. So he was 18 and 19, respectively, those years and he was on his way to the big leagues. In 1992, Lance was picked up by the Motorola Racing Team, which was formerly the 7-Eleven team. And I love that 7-Eleven where I get my fucking cream cheese taquitos uh, sponsored like a pro cycling team. (laughs) Like, like, you only go to 7-Eleven to get, like, shitty coffee, cream cheese taquitos, and cigarettes. And they're like, let's, like, sponsor one of literally the most demanding sports that there is. Yeah, well, I mean, McDonald's
1: is a big, you know, Olympic sponsor, you know.
0: I know. Posey. I mean, those guys
1: don't eat McDonald's. I bet they do. Yeah. You can have, like, every once in a while one can Big have Mac McDonald's. for sustenance. Yeah, and then you're just going to it's not going to affect
0: you. Yeah. Cyclists can have a little McDonald's as a treat. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's the whole thing. So he quickly began his rise to the top. He won several single day events, but most importantly, he won the world road race championship in 1993, which brought him to the forefront of the pro cycling world. He then went to went on to win the Thrift Drug Triple Crown, which is a series of three major races. The Thrift Drug Classic, the Kmart West Virginia Classic, and the Damn. Core State's U.S. Pro National Championship. The Grand Man, prize I, Yeah, I know
1: that. And yeah, and it's kind of just what you're saying with the 7-Eleven and how like uh, it's kind of like the company name. I mean, I get that they need it because it's like they paid so much money for it. But it makes them sound so shitty. Like, yeah, the the Rose Bowl sounds cool, you know, like it actually doesn't relate. But what's the uh, you guys in L.A. got the like crypto dot com arena. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah.
0: Boy, I mean, dude, it is fucking name. Yeah. But before it was it was Staples. Right. (laughs) It's it's like like where you go to get paper.
1: In Atlanta, we used to have the Phillips Arena, and like it just some companies just work a little bit. Like Phillips Arena kind of sounds like It's okay. Yeah. Well, I know. I
0: think in in New Orleans, there's like a Smoothie King arena. (laughs) It's just like what the fuck (laughs) is it? Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, the Kmart West Virginia Classic. (laughs) That shit
1: sounds like fucking meth. (laughs) That's that's like who can cook meth the fastest? The
0: fastest. Yeah. The best. There's like judges. They're all missing teeth. They're like, "Mm, that's pretty good. All right.
1: And you know what? We love West Virginia, and there's meth everywhere.
0: Yes, there's meth everywhere, but uh, (laughs) it's better in West Virginia. (laughs) They make it real damn good, and their pills are pretty goddamn good, too. So the grand prize of the Triple Crown was a million-dollar check, one of the big checks that they give you. And uh, this not only signaled the next major boost of his career, but also the first sign of scandal. So the way the story goes with him winning this million dollars is that essentially the competition got whittled down to about four guys, where they knew one of these four guys was going to win, and Lance Armstrong strong had a pretty good chance there's only one other guy that really stood like a clear chance of beating him and they kind of had like a backroom agreement where it's like please like let me win this you've won like a bunch of times let me mm-hmm. win this and i'll make it worth your while and he gave him a hundred thousand dollars in a cake box like in cash mm-hmm. like i like just shows up on the guy's doorstep and, and he basically threw the race to lance armstrong he didn't want to but he's like like, I, I, Lance Armstrong it just seems like he was able to convince everyone around him to uh-huh. do whatever he wanted. I think that
1: there is a lot of sort of pressure in racing culture. I only know a little bit about it because I have started to – I sometimes I do some work for some car companies, and some of the people there kind of explained to me some of the racing stuff. And I saw that movie Ford vs. Ferrari. Right. Um, And part of that was there actually was this – I'm going to totally butcher like the fucking, (laughs) sorry, Max, Max, who was our guest on XFL. He's going to be like, damn it, Parks, I taught you poorly. Um, But basically there was this pressure uh, to have, like one of the guys winning was winning by so much and it was this huge margin and it was actually kind of instructed, like we want like a photo finish. And so he, so he like. They He he did this thing where he's, like, just barely ahead of the other guy, right? Yeah. But then, on a technicality, the other guy, like, actually crosses the finish line first. And it was, like, this whole thing where they basically just, like, didn't like the really fucking fast driver and just sort of screwed him over. Made for him this like f- Yeah. So, it's... I don't know. I yeah, feel it's like that's a racing thing.
0: Well, racing, I mean, obviously, it's competitive by nature. And that goes to, like, f- from the fucking executives mm-hmm. that are in charge of the associations down to the racers yeah. so there there's yeah tons of fucking pressure tons of backroom meetings yeah. tons I of like you know yeah photo finish stuff is a huge deal where it's like look we don't want you to blow everyone away we want it to seem like someone else had a chance mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. that that's this thing with the million dollars so he, he literally like, paid off a guy a hundred grand to fucking yeah. lose
1: Ray, all, the last thing i'll say about that racing is because like when you think about competition i mean like there i mean obviously all major sports are incredibly competitive but there's something about racing like football and soccer and shit i mean there's like ball there's like a ball there's a field but like there's something about <laughs> racing They're not, I'm just, but just hear me out like racing yeah. is literally like that's like some real kid like mentality like i bet i can get to that stop sign faster than you right. like there's just almost there's doesn't there's it's base level. There's like it. no strategy. Except so ba- go faster. You know? What yeah. I mean? And there the, is strategy, oh, yeah. but it's just like, there is something very like primal. Like you have to be extremely competitive. Yeah. To like get into this kind of stuff. And which is just going to be part of the story.
0: You know? uh, 100%. And people don't really, like, I didn't really grasp, because c- we watched a documentary called uh, Stop at Nothing, which kind of covers yeah. the, the, this whole deal. And There's also a 30 for 30 called Lance. Uh, that, that That's great. And, you know, I, I read a lot of ESPN articles about this, because, I mean, it, this whole thing was so widely publicized. But I didn't really understand how grueling cycling actually is. You know, like, like you don't because I mean, obviously, with football and stuff, people are getting fucking wrecked and like hockey, you know, and all that stuff. But like cycling, it's it could be argued that it is one of the most demanding athletic, you know, competitions that there that there is. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I was, uh, you know, for doing this, I, I was like watching some of the clips. I was like, oh, this shit actually looks really awesome. And I kind of I'm like, damn, I haven't really actually watched Tour de France ever. It's nuts. And I'm and I'm kind of watching these clips like, wow, I mean, that looks very exciting
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no it it, dude it's crazy but what we will talk more about that in a second so in 1993 he also competed in what is to be the top competition in cycling yes the tour de france uh back in the day we like uh, me and all my friends like that grew up in the suburbs we all lived within like walking distance of each other so like uh like we stopped doing this a couple of years ago because there was just too many fist fights but we would do what was called the Tour de Friends where we would like on, on Christmas Eve we would get like a fucking like couple 30 bricks and like a bottle of like Fireball or something like something awful that like young Fire people balls. drink yeah and like we would just walk to everyone's houses and like like and just get shit faced and yeah the Tour day Friends and then like, some, like there would always be a fight and like we just had to stop doing it because like it just got too nasty and like yeah. people would show like they'd wait all year it was almost like the real tour de france where like someone would get in a fight and then like all year they're like okay next tour de friends i'm gonna <laughs> fuck this guy up and like and it just i like too- how you
1: said it ended a couple years ago
0: <laughs> it did yeah we couldn't like the, the, no more tour de friends dude um, tour, <laughs>
1: tour de france is also kind of like the in the same way that girls gone wild like respond sort of like a blah 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 gone wild i feel like tour de something yeah is kind of you you can just say it about anything like tour de friends like yeah friend. yeah
0: T- tour de chicken strips uh that's where i, I wanna <laughs> (laughs) do that one. That's more my speed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I'm hungry. So Lance placed first in one of the 21 stages of the race, but came in at 97th place overall. The following year, Lance continued his climb to the top of the cycling kingdom by winning the Thrift Drug Classic and coming in second at the Tour du Pont. Which is uh, that? That's I believe it's based in um, in Philadelphia, so and and it's Dupont Chemicals, the you know, and that's a whole other fucking thing. I don't know if you ever knew about Foxcatcher, the the wrestling team, the guy that was like the the Dupont heir started a, a wrestling team and ended up killing mm-hmm. one of the guys. It's fucking. Ape shit. Uh, Steve Carell plays him in a movie about it. It's nuts. Oh, Total, wow. Totally unhinged. So there were also minor wins peppered throughout that year. And in 1995, Lance placed first at the Tour de Pont in several stages of European competitions. But most importantly, he made his return to the Tour de France where he won the 18th stage interestingly uh the 15th stage had claimed the life of one of his teammates three days before so lance got this reputation of being this great guy because he won the 18th stage his friend just died and he does this thing kind of like babe ruth calling the shot like he like points to the sky after he crosses the stage finish line and like it's like a tribute and he, he's like although no, that mm-hmm. that stage my win was dedicated to my friend and they're like oh he right. won and he, he dedicated it but you only won one stage mm-hmm. he didn't like win the whole fucking thing but uh that's the whole deal. And uh yes, and that became a huge story that oh his friend died and look he won this stage and dedicated it to him. So in nineteen ninety six that marks the end of the first third of the Armstrong story. And this would be the most challenging year of the cycling star's life up to this point. He had once again won the Tour du Pont, briefly competed in the Tour de France, and became the first American to win the I'm gonna fuck this up, the La Flèche Wallonne, which is in uh uh where is that? in uh not Berlin, um Belgium, Belgium. And mm. so, so, I mean, most of the shit takes place in, in Europe, uh, most of these bi- big-time races. And Armstrong then entered the Olympics, where he fell short of placing in both events that he competed in. In August of 1996, Armstrong signed a $2 million contract with the French racing team, the Cofiti race cycling team. Uh, probably fucked that one up, too. But two months later, he received news from his doctors that would change his life forever. It was discovered that he had stage 3 testicular cancer that had metastasis to his lungs lymph nodes abdomen and brain the mm-hmm. outlook was grim and lance dropped out of cycling to focus on the treatment this is the mm-hmm. seminal part of the story with, with like yeah without like it sounds fucked up but without the cancer like there's really no lance armstrong well
1: story. but to be fair i mean first off you got this you know 25 26 year old Cyclists. So, I mean, you can't really ask for like a much healthier individual. Yeah. So peak
0: of peak of them, health, you know, sure.
1: you and then, you know, off. I mean, it's just it's just a lot more rare that, you know, cancer would affect someone like that, especially with the age, you know. Um. So all that stuff kind of made it just be this like, damn, how did this happen to someone so young? This promising, you know, yeah. Cycling star. And so that's, you know, because everyone loves when you can, you come back when you can overcome an obstacle. And I mean, cancer is like one of the most modern, like, yeah, it's, it it, (laughs) it, it messes people up real bad. So it's yeah.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. So initially, Lance was told that he had a 20 to 50 percent chance of survival, which was an inflated number presented to him to keep his spirit up. Because in reality, his chances of survivor or survival were far lower. So doctors were like, oh, you know, you got a 50-50 chance, which is very shitty. But like... In reality, it was about a 10% chance of survival, which makes the story very, very intense and and epic. So in order to combat the cancer, Lance had one of his testicles removed. He underwent a harsh regimen of chemotherapy and drug treatment and eventually had lesions surgically removed from his brain. And it was during his recovery from the brain surgery when a small group of doctors and an even smaller group of his close friends and teammates learned that Lance Armstrong had a history of using performance enhancing drugs, like all of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah, the, the, from the, the get go. The story yeah. is that uh, one of his teammates and and his teammate's wife were in the in the room, and the doctors come in. They're like, "Oh, we have some questions to ask." They're like, "Oh, we should go wait outside." And Lance is like, "No, that's fine." And the first thing that the doctors ask is like, "Do you have you ever used performance enhancing drugs?" And he's like, "Yep." And like just names like EPO, fucking cortisone, like like all the shit, mm-hmm. testosterone, and they and basically his teammate was like, "I need to get out of this room because I can't know this." Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like because if I know this and and I don't say anything, like I'm you know I, I'm culpable for this too, and and that's kind of where all this starts. It's the first sign of trouble, and his teammates, yeah, like they were absolutely shocked, and now people have to keep this massive secret. But you know, I was talking to my girlfriend about this. So he he had a testicle removed and like part of his fucking brain, uh, basically. Right. And then he got really good at cycling. So it's almost like he dropped just, like, that ball's worth of weight and was able to just, like, (laughs) soar. He's like the Tony Iommi, like how Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath is missing Uh, part of his finger, and that's why he he was able to play guitar differently. Yeah, Yeah. Lance Armstrong loses the ball, becomes fucking The Flash. It's insane. And and I mean,
1: you know, I think often when people beat cancer, they get this... uh, the new lease on life. They're like, I just, they got a big head about it. I just avoid, (laughs) I mean, he is very big headed. We're going to find that out. But yeah, I mean, it probably motivates you in a way that you can't replicate of like, wow, I just cheated death. Right. Like the thing I was into, I'm going to dedicate myself a million times to more. But yeah, I mean, basically that's the whole thing is that especially in cycling, I think all sports have always had their history of like, performance enhancing drugs but cycling it seems like there very much is this culture to
0: it because um, no one gives a fucking shit like you know like uh, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like well oh, people right right people do but like with football stuff, i mean that shit's like widely televised like these like guys are household names you know what i mean so if like if like a baseball player or somebody who's caught doping which is what the the term is for taking steroids it's called doping mm-hmm. um you know, it's it's a whole thing. The cycling, like, you have to be into cycling to know anything you have about it. You have to be into
1: cycling. But to be fair, Tour de France is kind of like the World Series or Super Bowl of cycling. Absolutely. And the reason why we're talking about it is because Lance, and I mean, I guess that's part of it, and I don't want to jump ahead, but Lance Armstrong being an American to win this European sport in Huge. itself was a big deal. But I know yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. Absolutely. And so that, like, I, I think th- that, I just mean that that probably brought it more American, was like, oh,
0: right you know. well a- again no one knew like no cyclists were household it's it's Lance Armstrong yes. that's it mm-hmm. yeah. so after his recovery Lance founded the Lance Armstrong Foundation a cancer research and treatment charity the foundation was instantly popular and respected because even though he had yet to win the Tour de France he was viewed as a beacon of hope and resilience and this just adds like another layer of the mask to cover up what's really going on with, with him because now not only is he like an accomplished cyclist that's about to go on to like break every fucking record in the book um but he's now has this charity thing and like this great guy thing and it's like you're just Mm -hmm. building more and more fucking pressure like to keep your shit secret yeah and it's just growing
1: you beat the cancer and so then that just i mean that is an sort of just a one a thing that people are amazed at and then you start a foundation and so then it's like not only did you have like this personal triumph now you're like you're you're entering into the world of charity, the altruism, right. and like I, like I said, they get a big old head now. about
0: it. <laughs> I mean, I mean such he a piece does. of shit. Um, I mean an asshole. All right. By all accounts, Lance's introduction to the world of doping or taking performance enhancing drugs began in 1995 when he was introduced to the infamous cycling coach and doctor Michelle Ferrari, whose name by the mid 90s was synonymous with doping. Like if you went to see, the, it's like when you would hire like a uh, Robert Shapiro to be your lawyer in mm-hmm. the 90s like you're mm-hmm. guilty if you hire that guy like if you go to see ferrari right. you're doping like that's just the, that's just how it was and so he began experimental steroid treatments which like literally coincided with his rising success like if you follow the amount of doping he was like partaking in and the amount of wins it's like they they just follow concurrently you know what I because mean? he's
1: just like right time he's like i got this new shit why don't you try that yeah the best
0: Dude, yeah. dank ass steroids. So d- due to his long recovery, Lance did not compete in 1997, though he did begin training. There was a failure to negotiate his contract terms, and Lance was let go from the team he was signed to just months before his cancer diagnosis. But then he was picked up by the U.S. postal team. The contract was like $200,000 as opposed to the $2 million he got before cancer. Um, and at the dawn of 1998, he was training full time, and he had moved to Europe to be with his team. Armstrong returned to the tour de France in 1999, one year after the most publicized doping scandal in the sports history, which is known as the Festina affair, where it was discovered that there was a vast network of dopers within the world of cycling and never had the risks of doping in the sport been higher. But to Armstrong, the desire to win had also never been higher. So like the Festina affair happens, it almost ruins the the sport, the integrity of everything. It's like when Jose Canseco's book came out about, about baseball juiced, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's the same kind of deal And uh, But Like Lance is like No I'm gonna win And uh, I need to Because A. Beat cancer Like Overcame all the shit And also he's just Pumped Full of fucking steroids (laughs) Yes (laughs) And and, and, and when you think about People on steroids You're thinking like Arnold Schwarzenegger And Terminator But Lance Armstrong Was the kind of Like steroid user where he was like the t1000 where he was like mm-hmm. slender and like oh, like yeah. trimmed and lean but just like the fucking fastest son of a bitch you ever seen he also right. kind of looks like timothy mcveigh like you think the timothy mcveigh <laughs> yeah. of cycling
1: yeah because uh you don't you don't need like huge muscles um you need to oxygen. recover you need oxygen more and that's kind of you know, a big part of it is just how to, how can you replenish your oxygen quicker? And that's what, you know,
0: and that's what, like, the, the main thing part. that he used. Yeah. The main, it's called EPO. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know how to fucking pronounce, I'm not a scientist, how to pronounce the actual thing, but it's known as EPO. And what it does is it, 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 like increases the amount of red blood cells like in your mm-hmm. body so you can like take in more oxygen it's all about oxygen like all the steroids that he was taking it's all about being able to retain more oxygen so you don't get as tired it's yeah. not about building muscle mass which That's other steroids That's so gnarly. Do. I mean
1: I want to try steroids. I'm not part of a sports <laughs> team. I hurt you my know? hand
0: once and they gave me <laughs> steroids. Now my hand is ripped.
1: I mean actually I did get sick a few years ago and they injected a steroid into my butt. What? And, and uh <laughs> I felt amazing for like 5 hours. Like I <laughs> 5 I, hours.
0: <laughs> and like, now that's why your butt's so fucking cut, dude. <laughs> I got a cut butt. Cut butt. You know,
1: just like I don't know, can there there could be like a steroid bar? <laughs>
0: just yeah try. dude yeah just like you know at the gym like you get a smoothie like have someone like shoot some weird chemical in your ass yeah it's perfect so the legend now begins and it is easy to say and it's impressive to hear that lance armstrong won the tour de france seven times but to truly appreciate that let's briefly discuss the competition itself The legendary Tour de France was first held in 1903. By the way, the first doping scandal of the Tour de France was 1904. Motherfuckers have been putting (laughs) weird shit in their bodies for like hundreds of years. It's insane. Uh, So yeah, 1903, and it's been held annually every year since, only stopping during the World Wars because it would be hard to ride a bike during an invasion. Uh, The race in its present-day form is a 23-day race that covers a course of over 2,000 miles. There's 21 stages of the race, which include sprints, mountain climbs, urban courses, and long-distance stages. The race itself is incredibly demanding on the cyclist body. The combination of the different courses, the landscape itself, and outside elements like traffic and like the amount of spectators that are lined mm-hmm. up, it makes it one of the most grueling sporting events in the world, if not the most. I mean, it, it's yeah. really fucking nuts. I still think like, we, we just it's don't so have hard shit on your like
1: that. We just don't have stuff like that. I mean, that does feel very European no. where like the countries are smaller, like well, they're, healthier. Are, they're like closer together. And so you just don't really have something where you, like, could be in a small village and then one time a year, all of a sudden, you're, like, in the route of, like, this huge sporting event. And you just, like, right. go outside and, like, you're going to see these cyclists, like, zip by and people, like, kind of invade, like, descend on your town. Like, it seems fucking yeah. awesome. And in the ma- I mean, some of these locations are just, like, so picturesque
0: and Oh, for looking. sure. You go through an entire country Sometimes the race even starts outside of France And then you make it into France and go through the thing And like again it, it's it's held over the course of a month So like these guys like stay in yeah. hotel rooms during this And like I mean it's so fucking crazy when you watch it Like when you're watching some of this Lance Armstrong shit You're like holy fuck Like, mm-hmm. it is, like I get tired watching it um, But that's because I'm a fat piece of shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean So to win the event is literally the top achievement in cycling But to win several times is a complete anomaly It just doesn't happen Like people train their entire lives to get like third place in this thing once. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Lance Armstrong was really like, I mean, it's kind of like funny when you look back. like, Oh, yeah, that guy's fucking doping. There's no fucking way. He's the Mm T-1000. So riders are tested for performance enhancing drugs throughout the race. But much like with any drug test, there are ways around it. And it seemed as though Lance was unstoppable. He was noticeably less fatigued than the other racers, and he showed a level of perseverance that captivated the imagination of cyclists but raised the eyebrows of sports reporters and cyclist historians. It just seemed unlikely that someone could rip up the courses, with as much ease as Armstrong seemed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Like you literally watch him and like people are, I mean, they're dying riding this thing and he's yeah. just like cruising. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. well, this one sports reporter, he said like some guy was just like, oh yeah, he's on the juice. Look at him. Look at him breathe. He's not huffing mm-hmm. and puffing. There's right. no suffering in this guy's face. Like, yeah. and he's just blasting past everyone, you know, and I get, especially yeah, that I'm just, first time.
1: I'm just not going to lie. It's, it's, I I kind of want to try some EPO. <laughs> it just seems like, I just want to know what that's Bucket. like. Like yeah, dude, what would I that be? Look, what would that feel wrong. like to just There's be nothing like, wrong with
0: it, okay? It's, it's to, only wrong because they get tested for it and they're not allowed to do it. You just being Parks from Gold reps, right, you can right. take EPOs all you fucking want. No one's going right. to test
1: you. I just want to know and then like have my own little miniature thing where I try to like run out of breath, like do the most extreme thing and see if I don't run out of breath,
0: you know? Just beat off eight times. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. So, <laughs> in between stages, Armstrong tested positive for corticosteroids, also known as cortisone, but he acquired a backdated doctor's prescription for cortisone cream and he was cleared of any wrongdoing mm-hmm. and he went on to win the 1999 Tour de France. Yeah. So, so That's this is some a shady deal. shit. This was a big deal. This
1: was the first, like, I mean, and this is according to these documentaries i'm sure you can find even along the way more moments of people covering up you know like we said when he first was it made the admission of steroids to the doctor and um you know the teammate and his wife and his wife was betsy andreu who is in the documentary a lot she kind of is going to have an important role in the scandal anyway right. that happened but this um backdated doctor's note was kind of like like on one hand there was like sort of in the doctor's office when he made the admission and then those people heard it was kind of like okay you just have to keep this a secret but now with this doctor's note it's like we actually need you to make you need to do something besides just keeping a secret we need you to actually contribute to the lie by making this backdated Doctors
0: and, and what he had said was like, Look, there is cortisone in this cream that I've been using for like it's some, it's like saddle sores, is what it's called. Like when you just mm-hmm. from sitting on a bike for fucking too long, yeah, or, or like, when you eat too much, eat pizza away your and drink too much beer, saddle you know? sores, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> it all comes <laughs> out <laughs> when it all comes out. Cortisone cream, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, yeah, so I mean, it just again this is growing the scandal the secrets they're growing now and now more people are involved and people are having to keep the secret and when you like hear the stories about a steroid use i mean it's literally like a fucking drug dealer like he's going to gas stations in the middle of the night to get injected by this doctor in like a fucking camper van you mm-hmm. know or going to a mcdonald's parking lot like stuff like that it's really I mean, fucking weird when you it think does about
1: it. i mean and you know it does kind of have this like cinematic quality because you're in france And so there's this whole thing where it's because the race is literally traveling. So then you've got the doctor just sort of like shady, like waiting for a phone call. And then like, oh, yeah, meet me in this place. And then he's got to like drive out to like wherever the fuck they are at the point of the race. Yeah. And, you know, it just has this whole like espionage and his yeah, other teammates
0: she... started getting involved in this because he was like, look, like I'm going to blow past all you guys unless unless you guys start doing this too. Then it'll look like we're a team. Because right. with Tour de France, it's teams, but like one person from a team can win the whole thing, but the team itself wins as the team, but then one person is the actual winner of the whole deal. Right. And you know, So you can break away from your group and take the thing, but you don't want to do that in every stage because you want to win stages as a team. So mm-hmm. his teammates had to fucking do this shit too in order were, to fucking keep yeah, up with him. Pr-
1: and because then, you know... That's kind of a common thing of like, you know, cults or like the way that sometimes these lies happen, you know, like the Weinstein thing is like, you know, you get other people involved in the lie and it kind of normalizes it because then if your entire existence, if your circle is all in on it, you don't feel like you're an outcast. You feel like it's normal what you're doing because all of your closest people are kind of saying, yeah, I'm doing it too, or I'm helping you keep a secret. Everything's fine. You're not doing anything wrong. And like we said, like you said, I mean, since the start of Tour de France, basically, there's always been doping. So he by no means was the first doper. He was just the
0: best. He was the best. Yeah, he was the best doper. And they talk about like, you know, like injecting themselves and then hiding the little syringes in like empty Coke cans and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like really like shady behavior. Like by no means was this something that they were just like. Getting away with like they had to really make an effort To keep this shit yes. secret and it's a huge deal So that doctor's note it seemed to Appear out of thin air and there was many people Involved in the professional world of cycling that were Not buying the story but he was allowed To compete and he fucking won So mm-hmm. that that's like the whole thing also it's Interesting to note that the first couple times that uh, Lance Armstrong was in the Tour de France like Well not the first couple times but during His wins his first couple wins the people That had the best chance of beating him Didn't compete for one reason or another So he mm-hmm. really didn't have like the level of competition that would have made it like tougher on him, you know? So like a lot of people say, Oh, well if blah, blah, blah had been in this race, Lance Armstrong might not have won. And that happened the first couple of times. But and, again, and Lance
1: keep- Armstrong would not appreciate you saying that.
0: No, but I don't give a shit. (laughs) I I do not care uh, about that. So after his first Tour de France victory, Armstrong became an international celebrity. He began making public appearances to sold-out crowds, television appearances on late-night staples like Letterman, and was universally viewed as a hero. He also won the bronze in the 2000 Olympics, which goes to show you something, because the Olympics are really fucking tough on doping. So if this guy is winning Tour de France where he can get away with fucking doping, and then he goes to the Olympics and he only gets bronze, it just shows that there's this Uh, disconnect in his skill level, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and, like that's something that runs throughout this whole story. So Lance went on to win the Tour de France six more times. Each Mm. victory played into the narrative that this larger-than-life athlete who had overcome a fatal disease was an unstoppable symbol of hope, who the entire time was narrowly dodging doping allegations. I don't know what's a better accomplishment, winning (laughs) the Tour de France seven times or escaping doping, like (laughs) being caught for so long.
1: Well, I think it's the whole package. It's doing that. And not only escaping like always dodging these doping accusations but at the same time in addition to winning he's also you know building up you know there's the story of the cancer survivor at the same time so not only that creating himself a huge celebrity creating um like very strong connections with very powerful people uh you know politicians freaking George Bush George W. Bush a fellow Texan you know spoke on his behalf many times introduced him at functions and stuff you know like
0: this I'm proud that he's a Texan too Giuliani you know know, Rudy Giuliani made what like there's like a Lance Armstrong day in New York and Um, like all the stuff that happens to you when you get really big for doing something perceivably positive.
1: I'm I'm looking at this the winners and so it looks like twice there was in the history of Tour de France two times there was a five-time winner. And but Lance Arms but that's been the record and and Armstrong was a seven-time record.
0: Win. The record. Yeah, and
1: record. now and and yeah, so
0: five and we'll, was, and, you know, five was gonna... the most until that's so fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So in 2002, Lance not only enjoyed his fourth Tour de France win, but he was also relieved to discover that an almost two-year investigation into the steroid use of the U.S. postal cycling team was dropped due to lack of evidence. Now, they were also doing what's called blood doping, which I didn't know existed. And <laughs> this, this is, is like, the craziest <laughs> shit you've ever heard in your life. So what these guys do is, like, before like maybe a, a couple weeks before a, an event or a race, they'll have blood drawn, like packets of fucking blood and then it's saved and then like the morning or, or the night before like one of the big stages or something they'll have the blood like put back into their bodies so they have way more red blood cells than usual mm-hmm. so they're able to take in way yeah. more oxygen because, and the way they describe yeah. it is like they refrigerate the blood obviously to keep it safe so like you're having ice cold blood put in your veins and it just gives you this insane sensation mm-hmm. but then you're just like on like crazy and the good part about blood doping is you can't really test for that. Like you can't it, like piss in a cup a and find out. It's,
1: it's not a drug. It's just right. It, but it was a th- the specific practice was outlined as illegal. So like right
0: yeah, you're well, not they can do a supposed blood test. to do it. They can um, do a blood test and see that your levels are way higher and and you'll be caught that way. But when you're right. having to do a drug test like you know, within a competition happening like Tour de France, they don't have time Mm -hmm. for that. So you just piss in a cup and and, you're not going to find blood in that.
1: I think basically one part of it is when you... So if you take out a certain amount of blood, not too much, then your body will just start to regenerate red blood cells to make up for the blood taken out. So then when you put it... So then you basically kind of get back to normal. Right. Because it's like if you take out just enough where it's not like debilitating, you get back to a normal amount. And then when you put the blood back in, that's where you get this like, you get more than before. (laughs) Blood Blood
0: doping. (laughs) So sick. It's the cannibal corpse of fucking steroids. So with each win came a boost in profile. Lance Armstrong had become a household name. He was regarded as highly as Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky. In 2004, the Lance Armstrong Foundation teamed up with Nike and released one of the most recognizable accessories of the early 2000s, the Yellow Live Strong Bracelet, a one size fits all yellow silicone bracelet with the word Live Strong imprinted on them. The bracelets serve three major purposes. First, raise money for the Live Strong Foundation. Second, show everyone around you that you stand in solidarity with cancer patients and survivors. And third, to grow the brand that was Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. That's the whole deal. And I remember when when these came out, some kid like went in front of the, like the teachers, like, "Okay, uh, Sean wants to you know tell you guys something." And like he was like selling them or something. And he's like, "These are the strong bracelets, and uh, for just like four dollars, uh, you support cancer, and uh, you should all get one." And like that's like the And like then like fucking every- <laughs> everyone fucking had these dumb fucking things. So the Livestrong bracelets, (laughs) they were seen on the wrists of everyone from school kids to A-list celebrities and high-ranking politicians. Everyone was wearing these, which instantly would make your suit look like dog shit. You could have a fucking 1,200, you know, like a fucking... $5,000 $5,000 suit on but if you wear a Livestrong bracelet you look like trash so tens <laughs> of millions of dollars were made from the bracelets and through the partnership with Nike came an entire apparel line soon silicone bracelets were being produced by hundreds of the world's leading charity organizations and also became an easy scheme to make money off of unknowing folks who believe they were supporting a positive cause like we said earlier you know you could get a real Livestrong bracelet where the money would go to or most of the money would go to the foundation or you could just get one like a bootleg one. You know, it's like right. like we we've mentioned it before, like fidget spinners, you know, or like where mm-hmm. you could go to any like capital of bootlegging in, in the country, like in L.A. It's mm-hmm. Santy Alley. And there would just be tables with these fucking bracelets in every fucking color. Right. And you'd be like, OK, well, you know, th- these ones are 50 cents. So, <laughs> you know, I might not be yeah, a supporting cancer, but everyone will think I do
1: right because there's the message there's the actual act but then there's also just the optics the look of it and that's also part of the dump and the fad thing is that you see you start just seeing it everywhere and i mean yeah like celebrities like big celebrities they start wearing it so i mean it's almost like the freaking like the von dutch which we yeah. did a little thing on our patreon about where you're just like every fucking everywhere you look now you just see it
0: yeah, you just see it, and and then again, yeah, like every fucking charity decided. Well, hey, that's a way to get fucking people to you know, donate money, then great. So you started seeing like every fucking color and design and all that shit with those. So Lance Armstrong announced that the 2005 tour to France would be his last. He won the event and then retired from cycling for the moment. Within that year, a French newspaper printed a story, which could have been Armstrong's undoing. It was discovered that performance enhancing drugs, specifically EPO were found in samples taken from Armstrong in 1999 the delay in the discovery was because the samples were meant to be researched years after they were taken so they took like blood samples and and you know shit and they're like we're going to do like this whole retrospective on cyclists and like their level like the levels of nutrients and shit in their body and so they held on to this shit and then when they finally started doing the study, they're like Lance Armstrong is full of fucking steroids, <laughs> and like, it just it just wasn't caught before. So an investigation was launched to decide if Lance should be stripped of his wins and banned from cycling. But when the official report was released, he once again was cleared. And years later, it came to light that the powers that be in pro cycling took measures to protect the sport's leading star. Yeah, basically I mean he like, was leaning
1: on people to be like, hey, can you? Uh, he's he's doing some gangster shit. Like make this totally. thing,
0: make this thing go away. You know what? Yeah. I wouldn't have been scared of Lance Armstrong. I'd be like, "You're a fucking nerd, and I don't care what you say." Like, I'm gonna bust you for doing steroids, <laughs> well, Mister well, T1000. Okay. I'm, I'm like, all, I'm all tough.
1: <laughs> I'm yeah, all tough. I'm like, I don't know where you're coming from. <laughs> like, he might not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but the guy was very ripped. Dude, he would still rip me in sca- half. He's still pretty scary looking.
0: Yeah. No. Again, he, was, he looks like Timothy
1: McVeigh. He was very aggressive. Yes. very aggressive. Very yeah, yeah. aggressive. And when people got in his way. He, it, now it's not just a physical presence. I mean, he's got like political
0: He's got power, influence. for sure. He has a, he's like a powerful person at this point. A, 100%, and very, very rich. Worth almost $100 million by this point. So just a recap. In 2005, Lance was raking in millions of dollars through his foundation, mostly due to the yellow bracelets. He won what he said would be his final tour to France. He evaded another set of doping allegations, and he became engaged to his then-girlfriend, Woodstock 99 alumni, Cheryl Crow. Uh, the two split up the next year. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crow and Armstrong dated throughout his rise to fame. They, you know, the relationship began in 2003, officially split in 2006. And what, like, that's the most boring power couple ever. Cheryl fucking Crow and Lance Armstrong. Like, <laughs> like, what a snooze fest. She missed. Like,
1: she, yeah, I mean, I guess she missed Kid Rock,
0: but <laughs> a little more. Also, He's like, a bad boy. But do you think Lance was a fan? And he's like, when he's like fucking taking these mountain courses, he's just like, if it makes you happy, like, and it's like, or just like, all I want to do. And he's is just wind. like, ripping, <laughs> is take some steroids, EPO, oxygen in my blood. Yeah. Uh, that I, was awful. You know, I do that?
1: <laughs> uh, you did it. We, I, I got it. I got it <laughs> on record. Fact.
0: That's a fact.
1: But again, I think this does go in i mean sheryl Crow, huge celebrity uh you know
0: also cancer survivor
1: huge hit maker um but yeah i think that he was so popular everyone's ever it's a thing like you you if you just give the very most basic lance armstrong shit you think tour de france winner steroid bust Live Strong Cheryl Crow like those sure. are the top, those are li- no really like those no, are like the true. top 5 things you would like if you didn't know anything about Lance Armstrong I feel like you knew That's he that- dated you knew he dated Cheryl Crow
0: yeah, yeah, no, totally. It, 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 was a, it was a major thing. Major power couple. Very odd pairing. But yeah, Woodstock yeah. 99. Can't, can't escape that shit. So the winner of the 2006 Tour de France was a rider named Floyd Landis. Landis tested positive for doping during the Tour de France, and he had his title stripped. And it seemed odd that the very first person to win the event after Lance Armstrong's legendary seven-win streak would get popped for doping. Like, literally, right. the next person to win... Mm-hmm. Got in trouble, like got caught. And uh, now Landis
1: was an an American and he was kind of almost like a protege. Like he wrote, he was Armstrong's teammate. Yeah. And so he kind of, there was a connection between the two. They were
0: familiar with each other, former teammates,
1: yada, yada. yada. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Exactly. Now, Landis attempted to fight the decision to strip him of his win, probably because he's like, "What the fuck? Everyone's doping. Like, you know, just just me right. gets fucking in mm-hmm. trouble." So the hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines he faced, he was also battling, and. He was battling the lifetime ban from the sport as well. So the legal battle went on for the next four years and ultimately Landis lost. But he made sure that he had the final word. In 2010, Landis sent an email to the head of USA Cycling, which accused Armstrong and several other cyclists of doping during the Tour de France. As word of these accusations spread, many people within the sport began to take a closer look at the golden boy of pro cycling and the U.S. postal team as a whole. Armstrong, of course, denied the allegations, blamed them on bitterness from, you know, an old teammate, you know, oh, he's just fucking jealous and blah, blah, blah. Uh, also, interestingly, uh, Armstrong crashed during a race in California. It's nuts. He like hits a barrier and goes flying over his bike and he was in the hospital. That same day he gets put in the hospital is the day he has to address this whole Landis thing. So he's just, you know, when it Whoa. rains, it pours. Yeah. Now, wait, I want to say some now, part of, cause in the, in, in the
1: documentary, part of the whole Landis thing that's really interesting is so when, so Landis gets his, his title stripped, right? And yeah. part of that is he's banned from cycling for two years. And so when he, when he tries to come back in 2010 or when this email sent, he had actually first, you know, he tried to get back on the U S this, this team. Yeah. Um, and but you're tainted, you're tainted at that point. He was tainted, but the, what's kind of funny about it is that they denied him and basically yeah. Arm, Armstrong wanted nothing to do with landis because he had kind of basically he couldn't sell the lie because like we're saying this whole time armstrong is getting these accusations of it but armstrong is really good at fucking lying and selling yeah, his the body's lie just buzzing to, with to everyone you know and so landis just doesn't have the charisma that armstrong has so he is like seen as he's like this outcast this pariah but if the sort of the way the documentary makes it seem is like, basically if they had like let Landis just rejoin the team, none of this would have maybe blown up because basically right yeah it's, and again, this feels like some crazy movie shit where it's like, you know, you got the two people who are like conspiring in the crime together. And then when the one guy like refuses to let the other guy in the door, he's like, fine, fuck you. I'm going to go to the authorities. And that I think, I think the bitterness of Landis being, like, rejected by his former friend and teammate is what sent him to, like, you know what,
0: Whistleblower fuck this. time. fuck you, yeah.
1: everyone does this shit. Everyone does it's this, time I got popped, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I, exactly. Because, but years before,
0: yeah. uh, uh, Armstrong was on... Or, or Landis was on Larry King I believe and Armstrong called in and was like this is bullshit you, you got railroaded and he was like defending him publicly. right but that's before he got like and then and then but he once gets he got outed popped. and then he's like fuck this guy yeah <laughs> exactly e- exactly and then Landis filed a whistleblower lawsuit which essentially is you sue someone on behalf of the government so he sued Lance Armstrong and uh, the US cycling team or USA cycling or whatever being like look like you knew that all this shit was going on, there's a cover up. Uh, I'm gonna sue on behalf of the government, and he got fucking five million dollars out of that. Like Armstrong had to pay five million dollars, which is nuts. So but that, that happened later. So Armstrong had returned to cycling in 2009 and competed in the tour down under. Australian, uh, Outback Steakhouse of fucking racing. So he was even given exception to the pre-race drug testing policy. So he comes back to cycling after retiring, and this like huge race is like, you know what? Usually we test guys for steroids like a month before. Mm-hmm. Your Lance Armstrong just come and race. So again, he's he's just gliding by all yeah. of these like safety checks that are put in place to keep people like him from competing.
1: we yeah. It, and that's what's funny is we're basically getting, and, and the and this documentary we watched made a really good analogy of sort of the, again, the movie shit, where it's like, you know, a lot of these kind of bank robber heist movies, it's like, you got the bank right. robber, and they always oh, do Oh, I love it, that, yeah. And then it's like, they're good. One They've more just, job. Yeah, one more job. And it's kind of like, there's something, this is where I think in the psychology of Lance Armstrong, it becomes apparent where like, dude, you... Have it's had an addiction to winning. The most you have already like you have set a new record for the most Tour de France wins. That's not enough. You have to come back and do one more job. And it's kind of like basically what I'm, my whole point is. Like he could have gotten away with 100 like, all these accusations, but he yeah. just like couldn't help himself, and he was like, you know what,
2: one I got more come, job, baby. one more job,
1: got to come back out of retirement, and then this happens, and then when Floyd Landis gets. Super like rejected from the team, then it's like okay, you are just stirring the pot way too much, and like all these people know shit about you. You and he's
0: getting older now, so it's like you're not going to be as good as cycling no matter how much fucking steroids you're taking. Right. So it's like, like it's all starting to kind of snowball now. Because basically at
1: this point in your list of achievements, what else can you? The only way you can top yourself is to come out of retirement and kind of if you can win. Then it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, now the old man did it. You know, the old yeah. man still got it. Like, that's literally like the only other milestone. Like, Just a milestone. big-headed
0: fucking piece of shit. Yeah, he's, uh, he's
1: very egotistical.
0: <laughs> so he returns to the Tour de France uh, in, in 2009, I, I believe it was. And he won third place. So he, he's waning. You know, he's not mm-hmm. as good as he once was. But the third place win was seen as like a great accomplishment. Cause it's like, Oh, he's been out of cycling for a couple of years. He's older now, still very, very fucking impressive. So the next year, despite the fresh rumors of long-term doping, he once again entered the tour de France, but finished in 23rd place. Like, yeah. so he's, he's out of it now. And that would be his final run at the tour de France. So not long after, the Floyd Lan- after Floyd Landis accused Armstrong and his team of doping, a new investigation was launched against Armstrong, this time by the federal government. Lance hired a legal team to defend him against this new investigation, one that his colleagues and those that knew the truth thought that he could not beat. There is no way he's going to beat the feds, because now it's not just in the world of cycling. It's a criminal investigation. -hmm. But Lance, he's a powerful guy and he's worth a lot of fucking money. So, you know, over that last decade, he had amassed a phone book's worth of connections, both celebrity and political. And in 2012, the Justice Department announced that they would be closing the case against Armstrong. Now, it's speculated that the reason why it got closed was because it was an election year and Obama didn't want to have, like, the uh, reputation of locking up America's fucking Mm -hmm. Superman. Right. So he's like, let's just drop this. You know, that way it's not on my record that I fucking put. Like right. Armstrong away. But, but you know? again,
1: it feels like some like some gangster shit where it's just like this totally. huge investigation is happening and then it's like, Oh, what happened to that investigation? He's like, What investigation? Yeah. And then it's and just, just over. And you're like
0: Oh, and everyone was shocked, like, like his 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 teammate and, and his teammate's wife Betsy that that you mentioned the people that were in the hospital room in 1997 or 1996 that heard him admit that he was taking that shit. Yeah, they're like, this is it. And then they were like jaws they, on the floor right. when he got dropped because like, what they, the fuck?
1: They testified, and now at this point you're like under oath with like penalties of perjury. And yeah, uh, yeah this Betsy Andreu testified that like. He he admitted all the stuff, and it's still not enough.
0: It's not enough. So later that same year, however, the U.S. So this is 2012. The U.S. anti-doping agency opened a new investigation against Lance Armstrong. Like, dude, if you're, like, investigated, like, more than two times for something, you fucking did it. Like, it's just very fucking obvious. Like, you just fucking did it If that many
1: times people are looking into you. It's one of those things where, like, obviously you can't. You don't want to just go believing every rumor you hear but, like, this guy has been having, like, it's like his whole these fucking doping career. rumors for, like, you know... Over
0: f- like fifteen years at this dude, point, dude, he is a steroid. Like, his, <laughs> like at, at this point, he is steroids. So Lance tried to file a lawsuit against the USADA, the US Anti-Doping Agency, but it was thrown out by a Texas court. They're like, nope, you can't countersue. Like, we're gonna let this thing play out uh, the, the way it's gonna play out. And so after his final stand against the accusations failed, Armstrong announced that he would no longer fight the charges, and his long history of cheating was finally exposed to the public. Mm-hmm. There was more than enough evidence and by this time witnesses to prove that Armstrong's doping and his 7 Tour de France wins and his bronze Olympic medal were all stripped from him. Just taken away and he got a ban, a lifetime ban from from professional cycling. And uh, furthermore, all of his titles, not just Tour de France and the and the Olympic medal, all of his wins post 1998 when they could prove he was doping that whole time, they were all stripped. So he literally has like zero wins on his record pretty much.
1: Right, but he still the has the medals.
0: Of- and uh shitloads of money. But and, that's, and that's that's gonna but, go away. But soon. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So in 2013, the jig was officially up for Armstrong and he agreed to an interview with Oprah Winfrey. And during the interview, in no uncertain terms, he admitted to doping in many forms over the course of his entire career. I'm gonna play a clip right now that mm-hmm. listen yeah. to how fucking easy this interview was Like this is such yeah. a fat payday for Oprah. Cause yeah. like she's like, Okay, yes or no only. And he's like, she's like, Did you do this? Yes, did you do this? Yeah. Let's Check this out.
2: So let's start with the questions that people around the world have been waiting for you to answer. And for now, I'd just like a yes or no. Okay. Okay. Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Yes or no? Was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. Yes or no? In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. In your opinion, was it humanly possible to win the Tour de France without doping seven times in a row?
0: Not in my opinion. Aside from financial settlements he was forced to pay, Armstrong lost an estimated $100 million in future endorsements, and tragically, his charitable foundation took a major hit as well. Now, okay, let me say this about Livestrong. I'm sure there was some shady shit going on. And and with charity, like big mainstream, like giant, very successful charities, there's always going to be some kind of underlying political unrest and like, you know, weird goings on. Because how do people get so rich off of charity, you know, mm-hmm. but they do. But they did a lot of good. And the unfortunate part about this whole thing is that the one positive thing that Lance Armstrong had going for him that was pretty pure, like at least on paper, took A huge fucking hit. Mm -hmm. So Nike needed to distance themselves from the disgraced former champion, and they discontinued the Livestrong apparel line as well as their partnership with the foundation. Lance himself had to step down as the CEO of the foundation named after him, and then they renamed the foundation Livestrong. I believe that happened in 2018. The impact of the scandal on the foundation is really the tragic part of this story. The Lance Armstrong Foundation provided much needed assistance to sick people in dire situations. Because of the financial downturn, the foundation had to alter its operations, and while they still do help those in need, the scale of that help has shrunk considerably. They used to pay for people's health insurance. Yeah, and because stuff, they've and, lost. And then they took that away, and now it's like you get like a check you yeah, know, once. Yeah, like. The name the name recognition
1: is still there, but it's so closely associated and tainted with this scandal. So that is going to you. You've lost the celebrity power. You've lost sort of a positive integrity. You've lost the integrity. And yeah, I do want to say that quick. I know we're approaching the end, but like, you know, when without before researching this. I kind of remember just having sort of like a peanut gallery opinion of like, well, if everyone's doing it, why are they crucifying him for it? Yeah. But I will yeah. say when you actually kind of get into it, it, it's way more complicated than that because yes, everyone is doing it. And so to some degree, it's it, what he
0: represented, but it, like, it, that's but, the big thing,
1: but he definitely, you know, it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like this guy was just stopping at nothing to get what he wanted nothing
0: baby yeah
1: the fucking documentary and you know he he really he, he fucked with a lot of people's lives if anyone tried to get in the way of that and then on the other hand he's kind of really cultivating this humongous ego of like i am doing all this good and not realizing that like if all this shady shit i'm doing comes back to bite me this is going to fuck up this whole live strong
0: situation yeah but he didn't just, care it wasn't yeah, about that right It it was about him. It was all about him. Now, Livestrong still exists, and Lance is involved in a very roundabout way, mostly just on paper. But gone are the days of Lance Armstrong, poster boy for cancer research and hope. So, what does this all mean? I guess it means that lying never pays. Anyone can get away with cheating once or twice, but to have the audacity to build a globally recognized career off of a lie is a surefire way to see your empire crumble. While Lance Armstrong did a lot of good for cancer research, he did a lot of bad to the world of sports. Uh, The two don't really balance, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, There are glimmers of hope and achievement throughout the Lance Armstrong story, but they are often skewed by the fact that most of his success was based on a lie. Maybe we should allow athletes to dope. Who fucking cares? I want my athletes to look like the monster stars from space jam right and i've heard that art yeah 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 i mean dude let them do it if you don't want to do it you don't have to but like let's fucking make these guys fucking creatures you know like pure specimens destroying their bodies for my entertainment that's what i want. sure
1: but that's what's and and i i see that argument but then i guess what's interesting about it is that you know whatever your opinion of the rules are not it's kind of this yeah like i would personally as a Inner as a just an audience person would be I'm okay if that's what you want to do you're getting paid millions of dollars sure but it does get I mean it does kind of get into all these ethical fucking quandaries about it because but
0: ethics that's a fucking construct man fucking that's a right like if if it wasn't against the rules then it wouldn't be unethical of course
1: exactly but
0: I guess it's (laughs) like but then I guess
1: like the thing about competition is that if you are cheating, then it's no longer competitive, right? Right. Now, so it's kind of like everyone would have to dope. And yeah. I mean, I'm fine with that <laughs> if everyone. Yeah, had, yeah. Like, know. dude, again, but, yeah, let's pump these fucking guys up. It's like not fun if like one person's doing it, and again, it wasn't just him; it was a lot of people. It was like pretty much know. everyone. Yeah. So it's so there is kind of this weird thing where I do, in some ways, feel like you know he was just into this he was just part of the culture where the the culture had existed before him the pressure was there if you enter into it and you're trying to be a competitive series cyclist like you are going to feel that pressure Lance Landis- Armstrong did not create it he perpetuated yeah. it and so there is still a bit of like okay we've got to take down the the biggest example of it all you know sure. um, yeah well and
0: again it has to do with what he represented it has to do with the reputation he garnered yeah. like his his public appearance i mean he was on letterman so many times as like this idol and then he gets popped and like comes out with like yes i've been doing this my whole fight fu- like the whole fucking time yeah. and then letterman's like what an asshole like just instantly everyone turned on right him. you can see it in real time with letterman but being the example
1: i will say you know watching some of the clips you can see this like very rampant egomaniac which i guess i just never you know didn't really know about and it's like yeah scary scary guy. he's he's like basically i think one of the things is when he rejoined when he decided to come out of retirement he basically was like on some messiah shit like i by like coming out of retirement i'm like making the world a better place and he says and you're like all right dude you're just gonna like you're
0: you're just riding a bike bro chill out yeah. Like, so until steroids are allowed in sports, pro athletes are expected to follow the rules and they should. And that's what the Live story means to me. <laughs> 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 that's that's the deal, folks. Yeah, what what a what a decent dump uh this decent was. Thank you, uh, Yeah, yeah, very decent sized dump, uh healthy dump. So Make sure you guys uh, rate the show on whatever you're listening to it on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. You know, d- d- drop a little review if you'd be so kind. That really helps us out almost as much as when you subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash culturedumps, where we have all sorts of exclusive bonus content and uh, fun stuff there. You can follow us on Instagram at culturedumps and send us an email with any suggestions, comments, concerns at dumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Licton, I've been joined by Parks Miller, keep on dumping!